Hey everybody, welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast, dedicated to raising awareness, sharing IBD stories, and offering support for those with Crohn's and colitis. Together, we can share knowledge, experiences, and help show the world the many faces of IBD. Well, hi everyone. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Crohn's warrior since 2006 and lifelong fitness fanatic. My guest today is Alyssa Johnson, who's been managing her ulcerative colitis through yoga, mindset, and plant-based nutrition. She's here to share her story, what she's learned over the years, and how she's tying it all together now to find her best health. Thank you so much for joining me today, Alyssa, and welcome to the show. Well, thanks so much for having me. So let's go ahead and jump right in. As my listeners know, I like to start off by asking about your own IBD journey. So why don't you go ahead and start by sharing your ulcerative colitis story and when you first started having symptoms and how you eventually got your diagnosis. Yeah, so I think it was actually a long time coming. So when I was in college, I was getting like blood in my stool randomly and having like horrible stomach aches every once in a while. And then, uh, I don't know, they would just go away. And so I was like, every time I went to the doctor to complain about it, it was already over with. So I was like, Mm -hmm. all right, it's random. And then when I started working, uh, I had worked for a year at a school and then it was my second year and I was in grad school, um, and teaching two new courses. And one day I just, I had a pseudo aneurysm and then I was out of work for like a month for that healing. And maybe a month after that, I just started having bloody stool every day and having these crazy stomach aches. And I just started, I don't know why I ignored it. I was like, I've already missed work. Like this is just random. I've seen this Mm -hmm. before. It'll go away. Uh, and then it didn't go away and it probably lasted from like June to March. And in March, oh my gosh, the urgency was so bad. I was going to the bathroom at least like 10 to 12 times a day. Mm -hmm. And when I went to the doctor, uh, he did like the standard tests and he was just like, yeah, you have ulcerative colitis. Like you're just, this is what it is. And this is a medicine you'll take for the rest of your life. And, and that was that. Had you ever heard of ulcerative colitis, IBD, or anything like that before? No, I'd never heard of ulcerative colitis, but I probably should have because my cousin had it. So when I was diagnosed, I was like in the doctor's office just crying. I was like, I'm going to have this thing forever. And I called my mom because I just, I was just crying and couldn't hear him talking. And I was like, you're going to have to talk to my mom. Like, she'll just tell me what you said later. And so I called my mom and was like, listen, can you just hear what he's saying? And we can talk later. And the first thing my mom said was like, oh, this is what your cousin has. Oh, wow. And so I was like, huh, what do you know? <laughs> Got and a built-in like, resource. Oh. Yeah, he was like, oh, see, it runs in your family. And I was like, oh, thanks, mom. This is really good. <laughs> oh, no. So tell me a little bit about the journey after that because – it looks like you're in a really good spot now. So was it always like that or did you slowly evolved 
into where you're at now with diet and mindset and health and medication. Tell me a little bit about that journey and kind of lead me through that path. Yeah. So when I first was diagnosed, I took Lealda, like these huge horse pills, um, and it fixed the urgency within like a week. And I was like, wow, this is really great. But I was still having like stomach aches uh, and I was still kind of tired. And uh, I think, yeah, I must have gone the whole summer having it because I went on a trip to Alaska and we were like, we never really ate that healthy, but it was mostly like a vegetarian diet. And I remember I had to take those pills on the trip. And when I would like be backpacking, I remember my backpack just like jiggling with all these pills. I was like, oh (laughs) Mm -hmm. my gosh, this is. I was like, this is so random. Like, I do not want to take these forever. Um, And when we got back from Alaska, school started, so I was teaching again. Sorry, I was teaching again. And I remember I just was having these horrible stomach aches, like worse than I had before I started the medicine. And then I started getting these headaches. And by like two o'clock, my headaches were so bad. Like I would have to put my head down. And that was just like a really random thing for me to do. Um, And so, I don't know, things kind of like just kept spiraling, right? I was definitely Mm -hmm. having, I was having all the side effects the medicine could give to you. So I was like really tired, having headaches, having stomach aches. And I just remember being like a horrible person. Mike was making me food and he was like okay like this should be really healthy for your gut like nothing here could upset your stomach and I would eat the food and just be so miserable um and I'm I'm just taking this medicine like oh everything should be better and like nothing was getting better and I was sleeping all the time and I was getting embarrassed to sleep so on my car ride home I was like stopping in the park to take a nap and telling Mike that I would be home later just because it was like oh my god I can't go home again and just like sleep he's Mike was like let's go to the park let's hang out because we've always been a really active couple and I just I all I could do was sleep and so I would like sleep in the park for how like 30 minutes and then go home and be like yeah yeah we can go for a walk (laughs) which is just so which is so silly to think of now like I should have just said like, yo, Mike, something is like, and he knew something was a problem too. Something's like wrong. <laughs> yeah. Like he could see me sleeping. So I just slept all the time. And then fine. We got to like October and Mike was like, listen, we like something needs to change because you don't interact with me anymore. Like everything you eat, you complain, like you're just not a nice person. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God, he's going to break up with me. <laughs> and so <laughs> So um, I don't. We I bought this book just randomly um, called I think it's Eating Clean by Amy Valpone. And so, how did you stumble across it? I was just I used to go to Barnes and Noble every week and get a book, which now seems really dumb. I just go to the library and read books for free. But <laughs> I, yeah, I was going to Barnes and Noble like once a week and getting a new book. And so I just stumbled across that book and whatever. I read it and I was like, oh my gosh, I, I need to try eating like this. And, uh, it said something about integrative medical doctors, but I looked them up and they were so expensive. So we tried to eat clean 
like the way she had laid it out. And that worked a little bit, but I was still just having horrible stomach aches. And then eventually I just gave in and went to an integrative medical doctor. And Mm. I took – oh, go ahead. Tell me – I was going to ask you to pause there a little bit and tell me a little bit about the process of how you actually found an integrative medical doctor and kind of what that was like. Because I know a lot of people – like I've certainly heard about integrative you know, medicine and doctors, but I don't think a lot of people have taken that step to find one. So tell me a little bit about that process and maybe some of the tips and things you've learned in hindsight of how you sought one – sought one out and, and uh, chose a provider. Yeah. So there's this website, I think it's imf.org and you can just go on and search in your area code who's around. And um, for me, that was like a little bit tricky because I live really close to New York city. So I would put like, I put in a 50 mile radius and then there was just like tons in the city and I was like, no, I'm not going mm-hmm. into the city to like see someone. I, <laughs> I'm going to stick to Jersey. Like I got to find someone here. Um, and so I wrote down, I think like three or four names. And then I called all of them and like asked what an appointment looked like. And I asked them, I asked to actually like talk to the doctors because like your first visit is something like $300 to visit them. So I was like, well, this better be worth my money. So I talked to maybe like three different doctors. And then there Mm -hmm. was one that I talked to that I just jived with. So I was like, all right, I'll go see her and we'll figure it out from there. So I, I went to her and she was like, yeah, these symptoms are very much like what IBD is. Uh, Let's run a bunch of tests. And she, so she looked at a lot of different levels, like my vitamin D level. Um, she looked at my zinc level. She had me take a food sensitivity test. She had me take a st- like some sort of stool test to see how much bacteria was in my gut. Um, and all of these, like in their respective way, cost money. So it took me maybe like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I think it took me like a, month or two to actually do all the tests she wanted. And then I had to go back um, and she had all my test results and she was just like, all right, um, you're deficient in this vitamin. Um, Your thyroid needs a little support in this way. These are all the foods you should avoid, all the foods you should only eat every four days. And so she really laid out exactly what it should be. And oh, when I tell you that my list of things I was sensitive to was longer than the list I could Mm -hmm. eat. I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) And so I remember I I was like, wow, this is really crazy. And so uh, they had a vitamin shop that I got a ton of vitamins from. And I emailed Mike my list of foods that I could and couldn't eat. And by the time I got home, Mike was sitting on the couch, like making a chart of things that we could eat. And I was like, well, well, we still have food in the house. Like, it's okay. We could just finish it out for the week. And Mike was like, no, no, we're going to throw it all out. We'll go grocery shopping. And so we we ended up like going to the bar that night. And I was like, oh, you know what? Like, let's just see if this stuff's really true. Like, let me eat a mozzarella stick and some fried pickles. And that was the last gluten I've ever had. <laughs> so taking out the foods I was really sensitive to was like a major, major step within like a week or two, I had no stomach aches. 
Was there anything surprising on the list of foods that you could eat and then the list of foods that you could not eat? Uh, cashews was on the foods of things not to eat, mm -hmm. which in like all the healthy books, vegan books, that's like, oh, cashew, let's use cashews for everything. Uh, so cashews was on there. Uh, I don't remember if there was something else that was, I think cashews was like the biggest stunner. And then obviously like dairy and gluten and whey were on there. Uh, avocados were on there. So I was like, oh man, avocados. Mm -hmm. um, but you could reintroduce all this stuff slowly. What else was on there? Like all, all the nuts, like almonds, anything like that. Sunflower seeds were on there. So nuts were really out. Uh, lamb was on mine. I was mm. like, lamb. That's <laughs> really random. Beef was really high on my, like, don't, like, you're sensitive to it. Mm -hmm. um, it's been, like, two years, and I still have never introduced uh, whey, dairy, gluten, um, beef. But cashews are back in my life because uh -huh. cashew cheese. <laughs> cashew cheese is great. <laughs> so this is... You mentioned it's been a couple years since you first started kind of following the recommendations and you've really gone down a, a plant-based lifestyle now. So was this something that you were already kind of doing or once you had this information, did you really start changing everything? And then how did the symptoms kind of go away from there? You mentioned after a week that the stomach aches really disappeared. So talk a little bit more about, about that. Yeah, so being, uh, I would say I'm a vegan like 97% of the time. So we didn't eat a lot of meat before the diagnosis just because I've always kind of felt a little bad about eating eating meat. I guess, mm -hmm. Maybe it's not about feeling bad, but for me, it was like the environmental impact. I just couldn't eat meat knowing that I, uh, meat is some of like, the number one causes for environmental degradation. So I didn't eat meat a lot because of that. And then when I was diagnosed, I was like, you know, the best way to heal it is to just hyper nourish my cells with as much nutrients as I possibly can. So like meat just didn't fall into that category. That being said, I'm a real sucker for jerk chicken and <laughs> like, turkey at Thanksgiving I really like we're not mm -hmm. like super anti ever eating meat but it's really really rare that we do mm -hmm. um yeah so after I went to the integrative medical doctor I let's see we changed my diet I got all these I had so many vitamins and I had to really lay them out to remember which ones I was going to take uh and I think even when I was on the medication, I was still having bloody stool. Like the urgency was gone, but I had these horrible headaches and I was still having, we call them BPs at home. Michael be like, oh, you have a BP today? Bloody poop. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> so, so gross. But uh, anyway, we, oh, hold on. Um, we changed the diet and then. A week and a half later, I didn't have any stomach aches, and I've never really had stomach aches again, unless I eat something that 
really upsets it or maybe wasn't made in a no. in a kitchen that was like super clean um mm-hmm. or gluten-free but yeah then maybe like a month after that I stopped having bloody stool just by eating things that my body wasn't sensitive to and implementing the right vitamins and yeah I didn't have a bloody stool for maybe like a year uh no maybe like a year and a half and then over this summer I don't know I think I just had too much time on my hands so I was trying all this different food and I gave myself a little flair but you know you just Mm got to go back to the basics and it'll it'll heal itself again I think I eat way too much quinoa Mm -hmm. (laughs) maybe a little too abrasive it's easy to overdo the foods we enjoy. <laughs> At least it is for uh, me. <laughs> yeah, same. Sometimes I'm like, oh, you cannot eat so many blueberries, Alyssa. Like that's <laughs> n- not good for anybody. <laughs> so are you still on medication now or were you able to come off just from diet and lifestyle? Oh, yeah. So the integrative medical doctor I was like, can I, once I do this, can I be off my medicine? And she was like, well, like, let's see how it goes. Uh, And I, like, after a month, like, so my bloody stools had stopped and my headaches were a lot less. And then I woke up maybe like a month and a half later and I just woke up and was like, no, I'm not taking my medicine anymore. And that was, that was that. I just, I think me, I looked at Mike and I was like, yo, I'm not going to take my medicine with my breakfast. And he was like, oh, cool. And then I think maybe a few weeks after that, I just threw them out. I was like, yeah, never mind. I'm not going to, not going to take these at all. Uh, and then I think I didn't go back to my, I think you're supposed to go to a integrative medical doctor every like three or four months, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It seemed like everything was going fine. So I was like, I'm not going to go see them. It's like $150. So I didn't see her for maybe like another year. And then when I went back, for a checkup. She was like, everything's looking really great. Like you followed the food plan, you introduced your food really nicely. And, and that was that. And I, wow. she recently, yeah, she recently stopped working. So I have to find a new one, but mm-hmm. I, I've got my like list of questions that I make sure I ask them before I show up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and have you kept up the vitamin and supplement regimen that she originally laid out, or have you tapered back any or adjusted that at all? Uh, I still take all the vitamins. There might be – there's a few that I only take like once a day now, but I still take all of them, and there's there's a good amount. Uh, there's like ortho digest me, which – which just puts in a lot of bacteria into your gut before you actually eat. Um, a lot of it is just like increasing the gut biome, uh, mm-hmm. or like I like vitamin D, omega three. I take um, things like dehist. I don't know if you've ever heard of dehist. It's just I have not like a really natural, mellow like um, antihistamine, but with none of those crazy side effects. It's just herbs. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I take all my vitamins, like just the things that my body was deficient in or not absorbing well. And then I drink lots of, lots of tea that there have been 
like studies that show that heal. So I drink a lot of licorice tea and marshmallow root so that there's like a good coating on uh, my intestines. And then I recently started trying slippery elm, but I just haven't made it in a way that I've liked yet. So it's like not my favorite Mm -hmm. right now. Um, And I drink a lot of dandelion root to like make sure I'm always detoxifying. Uh, And like ginger tea, I drink a lot. Oh, yeah, that was the most surprising on my food sensitivity test. When I first took that test, I was sensitive to uh, garlic. Mm -hmm. And so garlic was like in all of our meals. So that was a hard one to, to kick out. Were you able to bring it back in later? Oh, yeah. The garlic stuff uh-huh. was back. <laughs> I don't think that one actually stayed out for very long. So Mike was really good about, I think I'm one of those people that's like, if I know that something's going to happen, I think maybe my mind could just be like, yeah, oh, that's going to happen. Like, let's just give you a stomachache. Like, maybe I won't even eat it. I'll just give myself a stomachache. So mm-hmm. Mike was really good about like sneaking the foods that I was sensitive to back into meals. And then I would oh. always, yeah, I would always know that he did it though, because he'd be like, Oh, how do you feel? How do you feel? And then <laughs> what do you put in there? Yeah. And he would ask me for like three days. So like whatever goes into your system can be in there for three days. And so on the third day he'd be like, so you weren't bloated, like your, your pants fit. I was like, yeah, it's fine. He's like, Oh, great. We can eat ginger again. <laughs> Now, did he eventually bring you into the process of reintroducing foods or did he just kind of keep sneaking these these in over time to build build your diet back up? And he just kept sneaking them in and then eventually <laughs> most of them were back. But the the doctor told me not to add gluten or dairy back, which is which works for me. I've accidentally had them like uh, like at a like if I go to a bar, and get a tap cider and they hadn't cleaned the lines right and there's maybe some beer mm-hmm. left in there, I'll get hives from that. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, or like dairy is just not my friend. I think if I have a little bit of dairy, I just get so bloated. It'll look like I'm pregnant. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely know that feeling of when you can wake up and you're fine, but then halfway through the day, all of a sudden you look like you're four months into a pregnancy. <laughs> Yeah, and I <laughs> and there's definitely foods I eat today that I think I'm still sensitive to. Like we cut out it, it's always evolving, right? Like your stomach is never the same microbiome mm-hmm. that it was months before. So we recently just cut out soy. Uh, mm-hmm. and that's been that's been working out really well. And I this is like I guess a blessing in disguise, but mostly like an annoyance, but my face is like a real telltale sign if I've had something I shouldn't have. So like I will just get like crazy acne if I eat something I shouldn't. So like for the past few months, Mike had been observing me and every time we would eat a stir fry, he'd be like, yeah, for the next three days, you just have way more acne than you did before. So Mm -hmm. that's why we cut that out. And then I think we cut out tomatoes because I was, he was like, oh, we ate tomato soup and the next day you had a lot of acne. So like, let's not do that. Wow. It's pretty amazing how our bodies give us signs in various ways. And our skin is definitely one that I know for me, when 
when my hormones are off or when I eat different things, I can definitely tell in my skin that things are not right. So it's it's pretty crazy what our bodies right tell us and the ways that it tells us. Yeah, and sometimes it's annoying. You're like, oh my gosh, why is this? Ha- yeah. <laughs> why is this happening to me? But at at the same time, I'm like, you know what? I would never really figure it out unless it was happening. So yeah, I guess it works out. So what about Yes. What about sweeteners? Do you do any sweeteners or have you cut out sugars, anything like that? Yeah, I definitely had, when I first started, I had candida and I took some kind of like natural herb that the doctor had prescribed for a week and had candida die off and didn't have sugars. Like I barely ate any fruits, which was so strange for me. I ate so much fruit. Um, before I went to the in, integrative medical doctor. And then mm-hmm. um, when I did the candida cleanse, I could only have one piece of fruit a day. And that was so hard for me. Uh, and then after uh, I did that cleanse, I didn't really go back to ever being like, oh, I really, really want something sweet. Um, but I am a real sucker for figs. Like sun-dried figs mm-hmm. are so good. They're like candy. But I never really ate candy beforehand. I didn't have I didn't have a sweet tooth as in like I like cookies and and candy and stuff, but I just really liked fruit. Okay, nature's candy. <laughs> yeah, nature's candy. <laughs> and yeah, I try not to let myself get like suckered into having too much fruit cuz I some days I'll be like, "Okay, I'm on like my third piece of fruit. Maybe we should mm-hmm. should cut it out." <laughs> Now, you do a lot of recipes on your Instagram. Are those things that you come up with, or do you have recommendations for different books or places where you get your recipes that you would really recommend to others? Uh, well, I get most of what I eat from Mike. Mm-hmm. I, he sounds like a very, actually... <laughs> very great cook and very supportive. He uh, seems to be right there by your side 100%, which is great. Yeah, definitely. So he does pretty much all the cooking. Mm -hmm. I don't really cook at all. Um, And I think he just goes on Pinterest and will find something and make it into whatever he's looking for. But for me, like if I have to cook for myself for some reason, uh, I usually look up recipes uh, from Amy Valpone, uh, who I really like, and she has great recipes on her Instagram uh, and her website, I think, is The Healthy Apple. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's everything else I find is pretty much like on Pinterest looking up vegan and gluten free. There's not mm-hmm. any sites we necessarily go to. That's awesome. I'll put some of those in the show notes so people can kind of link to them and find them. Tell me, tell me a little bit about your fitness journey because you're a very very much focused on yoga and bringing this whole mindset and lifestyle to really manage your IBD. So how did yoga come into the picture? Is that something that you've always done? And then tell me kind of what are some of the benefits you've noticed since incorporating that into your life? Yeah, so I played soccer like through high school, all through college. um, And I've always really liked stretching. I think my friends probably have made enough fun of me for like sitting in the middle of the floor and just stretching. Cause I just <laughs> really liked that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I started 
uh, working, there were a bunch of yoga studios that you could go to for like a month um, for reduced rates. So for like a year, I just jumped from yoga studio to yoga <laughs> studio or or like random workout things. I got really into barre for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, never Pilates though. That was not my cup of tea. <laughs> Did but, you try it? Yeah, I tried it. And I, oh, and another one I really hate is cycling. Like, I just cannot cycle. (laughs) I don't know what it, I think it's like competitive. I can't, yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't know how the other people are doing. Like, are they all the way cranked up? Because I am, (laughs) but I'm pedaling way slower. I haven't tried it, so I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I need something either really competitive or just like you go at your own pace. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I was really into Barre. And then when I was feeling really sick, uh, like especially when I was taking my medicine and sleeping all the time, there was just no way I was going to work out at all. And so that was really like something I don't like, I just always needed to move. I'd never been in a like spot in my life where I just had to sit still. And so that's when I started getting really into yoga and I started watching yoga with Adrian and mm-hmm. I watched yoga with Adrian every day. I would just pick a random video, like, uh, yoga for when you're sleepy, yoga for when you're sore. And my body was sore a lot. So I just watched her videos over and over and over. And then uh, I started going to, once I built up more strength and had gone to the integrative medical doctor and didn't have stomach aches all the time and like wasn't just napping all day, uh, Mm -hmm. I started going to yoga classes and I met this yoga teacher that I loved so much and she introduced me to like yin yoga um, and how to really properly do the poses. And then it just kind of carried on from there. And then I started this challenge for myself. Maybe it was in March where I would do yoga every single day. Um, And it just helps me check in. Right. So Mm -hmm. I usually at this, at this point I've just been doing it at home. So I'll pick a yoga video either from yoga with Adrian or um, like yoga with Cassandra does yin yoga, which I've been really into lately. Mm-hmm. And which is just when you hold a pose for a really long time, your fascia really opens up. That's like so restorative to me. So I just pick one of those videos and that the picking of the video, I think is very much the time where I check in. Like before I go on YouTube to pick it, I'll be like, okay, what does my body feel today? Like, do I feel like I need restorative? Do I have energy? Where am I aching? Or do I really need to build strength? And so that's like the time of day where I just check in and then I select the video. And that's like what has really jived with me for the, well, I think I'm up to like 200 days or something in a row. Oh, that's awesome. And I love that. I love that concept of using it as a way to check in because you really do have to kind of sit down and assess how you're feeling of what do I need? Do I need to relax? Do I need to feel energized? Do I need to just rest? I think that's an awesome way to just really use that as a check-in. Yeah. And and every once in a while, maybe like twice a week, I'll have lots of energy and like work out. Um, just with some weights and dancing around before I like sit and do my yoga. But for the most part, Mm -hmm. if I have lots of energy, I'll pick a video that's like, all right, let's 
build a core. Let's build some arms. Mm-hmm. Like, I, and then I get really into them, and that's that's motivation enough. Yeah, there's some pretty intense yoga workouts um, out there. I've done quite a few, and they will. Don't be surprised; they can uh, <laughs> they can really kick your butt. Yeah, I think some I've been asked by my friends like, "Oh, well, don't you wish you went to a class like then you maybe you would exert more effort?" Because I think they also know that I'm super competitive. Like if I go to a class, I have mm-hmm. to be like the best one in there. So I think doing the at-home yoga and selecting videos helps me like actually check in with myself instead of going to a class and being like, "All right, I just have to do everything double mm-hmm. the time that everybody else is doing." Um, which can, in the end, cause more problems than good. Yeah, it definitely can. So as you've been doing more and more yoga, are there any certain poses or anything, any types of yoga that you have found have helped in certain situations if you're feeling bloated or when you had flares? It sounds like you're not really having many flares now, um, but maybe in the past. Yeah, well... Currently, I've been like a little bit in a flare. They're not, it's not nearly as bad as it used to be. But every, like every few days, I've been having um, BPs, which, mm-hmm. you know, just you got to realign and make sure you're, you're doing it right. But great yoga poses. Hmm. I really love like, uh, like downward dog is really great for me. When I feel really bloated, I do, oh, what's the, what? it's like downward dog, but you're, you're on your knees. You know what I'm talking about? Ooh. Oh, I think so. It's kind of like a, like a little short dog, but. Yeah, yeah like a short. <laughs> but it has a real, has a name. <laughs> yeah, sure. It has a name, but I don't remember it. Maybe it's like, it's not dolphin pose, something close. Oh, puppy posture. Yes. Yeah. Like a mini, <laughs> like a mini dog. Yeah. That one, <laughs> this is like uh, maybe too much, but that one, if I'm bloated, that pose, I'll just, this like wind relieving, right? I'll just fart and feel mm-hmm. better. And then mm-hmm. um, anything where I'm it's like, part of the disease. Yeah. So. Just, just part of it. You're going to fart. Uh, anything <laughs> where I get to lay on my stomach is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like bow pose, even though that might not feel comfortable in the moment afterwards, I'm always like, oh yeah, that was really, really helpful. And then I think, and this can happen a lot is when you have a stomach ache or something's not right. Whenever I'm starting to get anxious about things, I think the first thing I do is do alternate nostril breathing, like take a minute to meditate, um, breathe in through one nostril, out the other, and, and then back and forth. And that really quells like any of my anxiety. And that takes away a lot of the headache and stomach aches. Oh, that's a great tip. I've never I've never heard of that. I, I assume you'd have to press on one nostril to prevent yourself from using it and then just kind of breathe in and then alternate and exhale. Or how does that work? Yeah, so you kind of have like the hang loose sign with your hands and Mm -hmm. with your thumb, you would press like your right nostril. So you breathe in through your left for an eight count. Then you kind of plug both of your nostrils. So I usually use my pinky finger and my thumb and I would plug both of them and hold it for like three seconds. And then I'm going to plug my 
left nostril and breathe out my right for eight seconds. And then I would breathe in my right, hold it, breathe out my left. And I do that for a minute. Even a minute is actually really helpful, but a minute to five minutes of alternate nostril breathing is so helpful. Mm -hmm. That's a great tip. I'm going to have to give that a try. (laughs) Yeah. And legs up the wall is another one of my favorites. Oh, that just helped. Yeah. That it's like a, I guess it's a yoga pose, but it's uh, just that blood flowing the opposite way and being in your digestive system in a way that it's not usually, usually really quells like any of my stomach issues. Yeah, that's a great way to do it. I know I really love doing inversions. I have a yoga swing. And so flipping upside down is always helps me if I'm bloated or to just kind of move things around or get the blood flowing. But for a lot of people, if they don't have a yoga swing or something, just putting your legs up against that wall and laying on the floor, like you're saying, to get that blood rushing down into your core and into your digestive system really does help. Yeah. And any twists, right? Mm -hmm. Like anytime that you can twist is so helpful. Even like, even if you're, maybe that's how I stay out of flares is that I'm always twisting and like wringing out the system. And then like in yin yoga, you hold a pose for so long that it kind of cuts off the blood flow there. Mm -hmm. And then when you reintroduce that blood flow, it's like a fresh, a fresh system. Uh, So that's, Mm -hmm. That's really helpful too. Hold your twist for a long time. So let's switch gears for a minute. And I know you do a lot of traveling. I've seen uh, some of your pictures on your Instagram. What are some of the tips that you have for traveling? And how do you juggle that with your dietary kind of needs now? Yeah, I pack a lot of my own food. So if you fly anything like that, you can bring your own food. I mean, as long as it's not soup, but, uh, (laughs) yeah, we pack, usually I'll make myself some vegetable muffins, uh, and I can eat, I can eat those at any time. That's like a great breakfast. And if I bring, you know, like they have those packs of peanut butter, like those Justin packs, I'll usually put Mm -hmm. that on top of a vegetable muffin it's like zucchini and carrot or something. And then I usually bring like nuts to eat. Um, I bring, let's see, like any kind of snacks, but sometimes uh, we'll, when we get to a place, we'll usually try to find a Whole Foods or some kind of grocery store and we'll just buy a bunch of stuff and make it ourselves. So getting like gluten-free bread and making little sandwiches. Like we both really like peanut butter and jellies when we're hiking. So that one's really easy to make once we find a a place to buy that stuff. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then a lot of the times (laughs) Mike, Mike's in charge of all the food, pretty sure. Uh, (laughs) He looks up a lot of places to eat. So he'll be like, Oh, there's this really cool vegan gluten-free restaurant. Like let's go there. And a lot of times we end up eating at that place like two or three times if we're there for a while. Uh, But yeah, a lot of the times we bring our own food that I'll make and package up. Um, I'll make myself like little healthy Cinnabons um, and bring those. But a lot of the times we'll get 
things from a grocery store while we're there. And then it's even better if I go to a friend's house, right? They have all the stuff already. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I imagine that helps to alleviate a lot of the stress too, of not having to go somewhere and then feel like you're in a panic because you don't have anything or you don't know where to go or what to get that I imagine packing your own food is going to alleviate a lot of that. Yeah. And I think the number one thing to pack is breakfast. I think breakfast is probably one of the hardest things to do like vegan and gluten-free because it's very much like let's eat pancakes, let's eat a croissant, which is Mm -hmm. not what's going to fly. So, and it's like early in the morning and I think I get pretty hangry in the morning. Like in the morning, I just need to wake up and eat something. Like the first thing I do is make myself a smoothie or something at home. So having those little muffins right there just makes the day so much better. And then it's like, I've already eaten. I'll be full for a while. We don't have to rush to get anything. Um, And then we can find a restaurant to eat, eat at later in the day. That's a good tip. So tell me a little bit about your mindset. Talk a little bit more about how that has evolved over the years, because you have a very, just a clear, focused mindset now. You seem like you're very much at peace with a good outlook. Has Have you always had that, or has it kind of evolved as you've gone through this IBD journey and kind of brought in some of these different things into your life with the breathing and yoga and changing your diet? Yeah, the breathing and yoga really helps. Like meditating uh, really, really helps when I'm having, uh, like a bad day or something like that. But when I was first diagnosed, I definitely was just like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I have this thing that's called a chronic illness. Like for my Mm -hmm. life, this doesn't even make any sense. Um, and I, I was like really upset about it, but my dad, I called my dad because he's the one that's always like really positive. He'll find the positive spin on it. And he was just like, well, this is like a fun experiment, right? Because, of Mm -hmm. course, I'm like a science teacher, right? So experiments are my favorite. So he's like, it's just another experiment. Like, you're going to figure out what works, what doesn't work. Like, the medicine is just what's going to get you started on this experiment, and you're going to see where it takes you. Um, But my dad helped me come to peace with taking the medicine, which was a real struggle at first. I was really upset that, uh, like my body couldn't do what it needed to do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's nothing wrong with medicine either. Like if you, like you just need it sometimes. There's yeah. no there's no getting around it. So my dad was really helpful in making me see that like medicine is not this like horrible thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I usually have a little mantra that I sing around. Like uh, one time it was like, I am strong. Oh, this is, I had a flare one time, like a mini, mini one. And I was like, I am strong. I am brave. And I have not had a BP. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was like, I just yell it all the time. And Mike would pump me up. He'd be like, what'd you say? Say it again. (laughs) (laughs) And I like say, I'll say it like a hundred times. And when I'm having a bad day or just like really not feeling good, Michael start the chant and then we'll chant mm-hmm. it like crazy people for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those, those are actually really helpful. I used to think, I was like, that's so dumb mantras. Like who needs that? And then uh, the one yoga teacher that I really loved, 
um, she used to do mantras and her mantra one month was let go. And I felt like at the end of the month, I was like, wow, like every weight that was ever on my shoulders is gone. Like these, that was like my pivotal moment where I was like, yeah, mantras are legit. Like we need to use these more. I don't know why we don't. Do you have a mantra right now that you've been using? Uh, yeah, it's something like I'm strong. Oh man. I don't even remember it right now. Uh, <laughs> I, I caught you off guard. Yeah, that was. <laughs> it's written somewhere, but I don't think I have been using it very much. It's usually something along. I'm strong. Oh, this month it's, um, I'm healed. I'm healthy. I'm beautiful. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Cause sometimes, and sometimes you have to say it as if it's already happened. Like I'm healed. Like whatever the problem is, yeah. it's just already, it's already gone. Yeah. It's that mind body connection and bringing that into play. Oh yeah, for sure. And I feel like I just have to stay positive. I, I think that when I think something negative, it usually happens. I think we were hiking one time and I was like, yeah, I haven't had a sty uh, on my eye in so long. It's, that's great. And then the next day, of course, I had one. So I was like, you know what? I just shouldn't, shouldn't speak these horrible things into existence. So let's not even, sometimes I'm like, I don't have, I think I've had a mantra before where I said, I don't have ulcerative colitis. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, the tests say I do, but <laughs> you know, I've decided, I've decided I don't, I don't have it. Exactly. Say it enough. We'll believe it. <laughs> yeah. And then your body will believe it. Yes. Your cells definitely hear what you think. They do. It's, there's a lot that we don't know about just our minds and our bodies. It's pretty incredible. I think another way that I stay positive is by being grateful every day. So before I go to sleep, I always say, and I have a friend that I text, um, but we'll say the one thing that we're, we're grateful for every day. And that's, I'm always like, some days are not great, you know, and you lay down, you're like, what am I grateful for? I think a few, few days ago, I said, I'm grateful for my candle. I don't know what to be grateful for today, but this candle is is smelling great. That's great. And I love the accountability, how you said you have a friend that you text it to before bed. I think that accountability is is pretty cool to have that in there. Yeah, friends are, are great when you have a chronic illness and they might not totally understand and really like get what you're going through, but if you explain it to them, there's, they're going to be there for you, right? They're going to ask you how you're yeah. feeling. They're going to check in with what you can eat. Because what I eat kind of changes pretty much by the month. Like this month, I'm not eating tomatoes and soy. And I just hung out with a bunch of them. And I was like, hmm, maybe if we don't add soy to everything. And they're like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I got you. Don't worry. That's awesome. And I think they do want to understand, just as you said, you know, sometimes they may not know exactly what you're going through or what they're doing. I think the friends and the people close with us, they really do want to understand and they they want to be able to help and, and do something. Oh, definitely. Especially parents. And I think you have to give them more credit. My mom tries so hard to make like a bunch of gluten-free stuff when I go home. And I think she definitely makes things and I'm like, mom, I, it's okay. Like I just eat vegetables all day. <laughs> like if you just throw vegetables on the grill, 
that's going to be fine. She's like, no, no, I have to make something, but (laughs) got to do something special. (laughs) I know, but there's so my favorite thing now when I go home, I don't have a a grill because I live in a really urban area, but Mm -hmm. whenever I go home, my parents have like gotten this down to a science where they'll cut up like cauliflower steaks and put Montreal seasoning on them and throw them on the grill. Oh, they're so, it's so good. And even my dad, who's definitely like a steak and mashed potatoes guy, is like, mm-hmm. oh, I can eat these all the time, Melissa. This is great. <laughs> it's so, amazing what's out there. <laughs> yeah, right. Or bok choy. I had bok choy randomly one time and then I brought it to my parents' house to grill. And my mom sends me pictures of them eating bok choy like once a month. It's so funny. Wow. That is funny. What a change <laughs> from the meat and potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I grew up on meat and potatoes. That's my favorite too, but sometimes you got to <laughs> switch up. Sometimes. <laughs> so tell me a little bit more about the advocacy work that you're doing. So what compelled you to, because uh, you're you're an IBD advocate now, you're sharing your story. What compelled you to start opening up and sharing your story on social media? Uh, I think Mike was probably the biggest push for that. He, uh, he looks at people like other IBD people stuff all the time because he's always trying to understand what I'm going through and try to see what they're doing. And mostly we're just always looking for like, how can we be better? Uh, how can we just like make sure that we always stay on this level of uh, like no flares and and living a life that we want to live, even though we need to like be careful of my gut. And so mm-hmm. I think one day Mike was just like, yo, we should start an Instagram of everything that you eat. And I think originally it was just going to be food. Uh, we were just going to say like, this is what we eat. And then it slowly kind of turned into like what my life is like, but that was because of friends. So I started that Instagram and I didn't tell any of my friends because I was like, this is so random. They do not want to see this. Like this Mm -hmm. is, no, they're into like environmental stuff. They don't care about like some random disease. And then they slowly started finding, and I think one friend found it and she probably told the rest of them. (laughs) And then they were like, oh, this is so cool. And they would always be like, well, you should share this and, and you should share this. Or I would always like call my friends and I'd say something. They'd be like, that'd be such a good thing to put on Instagram. And so (laughs) that's kind of how that started. And then, yeah, it is what it is now, mostly because Mike wanted to start sharing what food he was making. And then my friends were just interested in seeing my life as a story. So Mm -hmm. What's been the most surprising thing about sharing your story like that? Yeah, I, well, for me, I was like, oh, there's so many people out there with IBD already. Like there's enough Instagrams. I don't need to be on here with this. Um, And so that's kind of in the beginning, I was like, this is so silly. Like there's tons of people out here already that do this. Uh, But I was really surprised at how many people like, were attracted to the Instagram and would message me. Like I didn't really expect to get messages from people and they'd be like, Oh, that post was such a good tip. Like, do you also do X, Y, and Z? And so 
the questions mm-hmm. I don't think I expected at all. Like I thought it was just going to be something silly to post out there and maybe like help myself be a better person by really thinking through what I was doing. Um, mm-hmm. But it ended up like attracting people and have them ask questions. And every time someone asks a question or is like, oh, thank you so much. Like I can totally relate. Like I've never uh, heard someone say they, they had that too. And that's always surprising to me. Like, oh, I'm the first person you've seen that did that. That's so cool. Yeah, it's really amazing when we kind of step back and see where our networks kind of reach out to in in ways that we, you know, don't necessarily expect or when we share things that we think might be something small, but it really does touch and resonate with other people. It's pretty cool how that works. Yeah, totally. And I feel like I post in the realm of like three things, right? My yoga, the food, or some kind of mindset. And whenever I do a post about like a mindset and having a mantra or something, I feel like I get so much feedback from people like, oh, this is like, I really need to do this. Or like, this is what worked for me. Oh, I love when people say like, this is what worked for me. I love hearing other people's tips and tricks too. So it's a really great forum for just hearing everyone's ideas. It really is. And since we're talking about it, if people want to follow you and learn more about your journey and keep up with it, where can they find you online? Yeah, my Instagram is loving my UC. And yeah, that's all I that's all I <laughs> Now what made you come up with that name? Was it Mike or did you come up with it? Uh I think we probably came up with it together. I don't remember mm-hmm. how, but uh, it definitely was a mix of like use, like ulcerative colitis or Crohn's or any kind of illness doesn't have to be bad. Like it can teach you a lot of great stuff. And so I think one of the best things that came from having ulcerative colitis is that I really took a look at my food. And then taking a look at my food and the nutrients I'm getting made me think about like more for the environment and seeing um, the soils it was coming from and how it was being transported. And I think having ulcerative colitis made me more food aware. And so I definitely make sure that I shop local now so that I can get the most nutrients I possibly can instead of having something that's been on a truck for like a week. So... Yeah, I feel like my environmental footprint has gotten better because of it. I think it's great to find that silver lining anywhere we can um, because it's so easy to go down a spiral of just being negative and feeling like, why, why did I have to get this? And when you can flip that mindset, flip that perspective and just look at it as there's something good that came out of this, I think that's a great way to look at it. Oh, definitely. Well, it has been an hour and it has flown by once again. So is there anything that I did not ask that you wanted to share with the audience today? I think just keeping a really positive mind. I think it's really easy to be like, this really is horrible. I just want to lay in bed and cry about it. And why does it have to be me? But I think when you find the things you're grateful for and see that this is just one big experiment and learning opportunity, it makes it a lot more interesting. 
and it can be fun. Sometimes if I have a BP for whatever reason, I'll be like, oh, what a fun investigation. Like, what have we had the past three days? Right. It's all about your perspective. It definitely is. Very well said. Thank you so much, Alyssa, for sharing your journey with me today and for helping to raise more IBD awareness. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have an IBD story, either as a patient or a family member that you'd like to share as a guest on this podcast, or if you have a topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email at Crohn'sFitnessFood at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about me and my Crohn's journey, follow me on Instagram using at Food, or visit my blog for in-depth articles about my struggles and victories with Crohn's through diet, fitness, and lifestyle at www.Crohn'sFitnessFood.com. And finally, remember, be strong, be grateful, and be the warrior that you are.